Hello and welcome to DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Jonathan Brogdon and I'm a partner at DAC Beechcroft, joined today by my fellow partner Chris Dyke. Hello. And senior associate Gareth Hall. Hello. Chris, Gareth and I are part of the firm's extensive commercial litigation and dispute resolution team with particular focus on contentious regulatory and financial crime defence and investigations. This edition of our podcast follows the launch in February this year of our Crisis Room app, which is designed to help our clients respond swiftly to major incidents in order to mitigate and manage potential risk. You can find out more about the app by following the link in the show notes or by emailing crisisroomapp at dacbeechcroft.com. So, uh, what are we going to be discussing today, Chris? Well, when one mentions the word crisis in the context of business, it can mean a range of occurrences, depending on the profile of the company involved, the sector within which it operates, and perhaps its regulated status. However, regardless of these potential variations, there is arguably no greater crisis than a company discovering that it is the subject of a criminal or regulatory investigation, which, if incorrectly managed, could have far-reaching and significant consequences, including criminal or civil enforcement action, hefty the financial penalties and the potential for significant and lasting reputational damage. Um, Unfortunately, such discoveries are not always made following the receipt of a friendly letter or a phone call. Uh, A number of criminal and regulatory authorities in the UK have wide-ranging powers to gain immediate entry to and conduct a search of private premises as part of their investigations into potential wrongdoing. Um, These are often referred to as dawn raids. These searches are made without prior notice and given the powers being exercised will happen whether you want it or not. In today's episode, we will give you an outline of the key legal and practical issues that arise from the moment a dawn raid starts to the moment it is over and beyond. If you own or manage a business of any size, bearing these issues in mind now will help you and your staff prepare should the crises of all cri- crisis of all crises happen. Gareth, um, who has these powers and, and what legal authority are they derived from? Thanks, Chris. Um, Well, as indicated earlier, almost all of the key enforcement agencies in the UK have some form of power to conduct unannounced searches of business premises under the authority of a warrant or otherwise. And here are a few of the key examples. Um, The police have the power under Section 8 of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act to obtain a warrant from a magistrate's court, which allows them to enter and search specified premises for material that is likely to be of substantial value to the investigation of an indictable offence. The Serious Fraud Office, as well as having statutory powers to compel the production of documents, information and people in order to answer questions, also have a specific power to obtain a warrant where someone has failed to produce documents or if service of a notice to compel the production of them would not be practicable or might prejudice the investigation. These powers and the grounds to obtain them are similar to those afforded to the Financial Conduct Authority under the Financial Services and Markets Act and those afforded to the Competition and Markets Authority under the Competition Act. It's also worth noting that the the Competition and Markets Authority, or the CMA, also has the specific power to enter uh, business premises without a warrant and without notice in certain circumstances. And while on the premises, the CMA will usually exercise its powers to compel the production of documents or information on a here and now basis, with presence continuing until all required information and documents have been produced. Importantly, many of these powers are supported by the threat of criminal sanction in the event that any person obstructs their execution 
or provides false or misleading information in response or purported compliance. That's a great summary. Thanks, Gareth. So when the relevant authorities at the door with their warrant, what's the first thing the company needs to do? Well, responding um, to the knock at the door uh, in the right way is crucial. And it's it's highly likely that the first person that the SFO, the police or whatever enforcement authorities involved will speak to is the person that may be least equipped to deal with it. And here are a few top tips. So firstly, reception or security staff need to know who to contact and to do so urgently before the authorities allowed to proceed with the search. To this end, a contact sheet should be kept on reception, which lists three key contacts, a business lead, an internal legal lead, uh, if the business has an internal legal uh, team, and an external legal lead. Someone capable of assessing the situation needs to be located and engaged before the search starts. Secondly, keep calm and be cooperative and ask to see a copy of the investigator's identification as well as a copy of the warrant that gives the investigator the power to be at and search the premises. If they do not have a warrant, ask them under what power they are seeking to search the premises. And I can't emphasise enough that this is uh, crucial information um, that both internal and external legal counsel need to have in order to assess whether the powers are being applied correctly and the persons present are unable to conduct the search and to determine the scope of the search to be conducted. Thirdly, once their power to be present and conduct a search has been established, the investigators should be taken to a private room and informed that a senior member of staff is on their way to talk to them before the search is commenced. An initial meeting should take place in order to gather as much information from the investigators as possible as to why they have attended and their intentions. For example, you should try to confirm, one, the type of information they are seeking, including whether or not they anticipate taking any electronic data. Two, if they are investigating specific offences or regulatory breaches. And three, if relevant, whether they have attended any other business premises. Four, do not, it's, it's important that the investigators are not obstructed in any, in, in any way, bearing in mind what I said earlier about the threat of criminal sanction. Usually, investigators will be happy to wait a short period of time while the business organises itself and ensures that all the relevant people are aware of their presence and are in the building if required, including external counsel. However, they are not obliged to do so, and if they insist on commencing the search, you must allow them to do so. In practice, this rarely happens, but if there is any substantive delay, it becomes a possibility, um, so speed of response is an essential element. And finally, make sure that by the time of the initial meeting, you have mobilised, in addition to business and legal leads, compliance and the head of IT, the latter of which will likely end up playing an important role in determining the way in which the authority obtains electronically stored information. So, Jonathan, once everyone is present and the authority is ready to commence the search, what should happen? Does the business just sit back and let the authority do what it wants to do? Uh, Well, the short answer to that, Gareth, is a resounding no. (laughs) In the initial meeting, you'll have informed the authority clearly who can answer questions they may have. This is crucial to ensure that incorrect, incomplete, misleading or even incriminating information is not inadvertently provided by personnel who are not authorised or who may be ill-equipped to engage with the investigators. 
Each person carrying out the search needs to be supervised at all times. There is no obligation to allow the investigators to roam freely about the premises. The supervisor will ideally be internal or external legal, with the ability and the confidence to keep the investigator directed to the subject matter of the warrant they are executing. It is essential to keep a written record of the conduct of the search, which specifies the parts of the premises the investigators have visited, the files, both physical and electronic, and computer examined or removed, and the questions raised and answers given. If original documents are taken, request that copies are made and retained by the business, but be careful to remain cooperative because the authority is under no legal obligation to agree. Answers to questions should be purely factual. Questions that go beyond asking for purely factual information are not permissible. The supervisor will be able to recognise if questions ask for opinion evidence. Training will help employees stick to the facts and avoid offering opinions. The warrant may empower the authority to seal rooms or cabinets and cupboards, disconnect electronic devices, and block email accounts. Employees need to be clearly directed not to obstruct or tamper with any property treated in this way, as it will be a criminal offence to do so. Protecting legal privilege during a search is commonly a key issue. Whatever the power being exercised, that power will not extend to requiring the company to disclose legally privileged material. Having business and internal legal leads available who will know whether legal advice may be contained in certain files an investigator wishes to review and obtain is essential. Legal counsel can explain to the investigators if any files contain legally privileged material and the basis upon which legal privilege is asserted and agree a way in which the files are either filleted before they are taken or are removed but not reviewed by the investigator until all legally privileged material has been identified and removed. Care needs to be taken here not to confuse legal privilege with mere confidentiality. If documents are confidential, they can be taken and reviewed by the authority, but will need to be put on notice of the commercial sensitivity to ensure they are not disclosed to any third parties by the authority without the company first having the right to object. Now, we've already mentioned this a couple of times, but it really is essential that no one obstructs the investigators in the proper exercise of the legal powers to conduct the search. This includes any attempt to hide or destroy evidence. Intentionally obstructing the FCA in their conduct of a search tracks imprisonment of up to three months and a fine of up to £5,000, and would also amount to a breach of Principle 11 of the FCA's Principles of Business, which could make the company subject to enforcement proceedings and an unlimited fine. Intentionally obstructing the police, uh, which include the Serious Fraud Office, attracts a prison sentence of up to seven years and an, and an unlimited fine. And a failure to comply with a CMA investigation attracts fixed amounts of fines of up to £30,000 and the possibility of daily fines of up to £15,000. And obstructing a CMA search attracts a prison term of up to two years and an unlimited fine. Uh, so, Chris, once the search has been completed, what further steps does the company need to take? Thank you, Jonathan. Well, conceptually, it is important for the company to realise that the dawn raid marks the beginning and not the end of an investigation. And what happens in the immediate aftermath of the search is as important as what happened during it. So firstly, consider the terms of the authority under which the raid took place. 
make inquiries into the circumstances circumstances in which it was obtained, and decide whether to challenge the lawfulness of that power. The grounds and mechanism for challenge will vary depending on the types of power that were invoked in order to conduct the raid, and therefore the, the type of investigator that was involved. But by way of example, a search warrant obtained pursuant to the Section 8 powers that Gareth mentioned will normally be obtained on an application to the Magistrates Court. It will remain lawful, lawfully executed, and any material seized pursuant to it will be lawfully held by an authority until there is an order of the court to find that it is not. The lawfulness of the warrant can be challenged by issuing a claim for judicial review, but there may be time limits. For example, a judicial review application has a uh, limitation period of three months from the date of the application. Uh, Two, uh, issue document hold notices to staff in order to seek to control the production of new materials which may be relevant to or comment on the matters under investigation and which may be adverse to the company. Uh, Thirdly, take steps to preserve electronic and hard copy documents within the scope of the issues under investigation and document that preservation. Uh, This may involve working with IT providers to put in place legal holds on electronic information and putting a pause on any document deletion policies. This is in order to avoid any allegation that evidence may have been destroyed and ensure that evidence may be relevant that may be relevant to the defence of the matters under investigation remains available. Fourthly, take steps to preserve legal privilege going forwards. This will involve identifying in the first instance who the client is for the purposes of giving giving and receiving legal advice. For example, the individuals in the company who are responsible for receiving the legal advice from lawyers and giving instructions to legal advisors. Uh, And ensure that steps are taken to record the purpose of any correspondence with third parties and the basis on which legal privilege will attract to that correspondence. So ensuring that legal professional privilege is in place place and preserved will ensure that the company maintains control over the information generated and can resist disclosure of that material which may fuel the investigation going forwards. Uh, Fifthly, uh, identifying and keeping under review any liabilities for individuals in their personal capacity within the company. Uh, This may result in the need for them to receive independent legal advice in order to preserve their position and that of the company, uh, and or it may be relevant to what level involvement those individuals should have in participating in any internal investigation. So, for example, if a specific director is potentially liable individually or corporate liability is potentially attributable to, to the business as a result of their actions, it is likely to be unhelpful to have them within the client group. Next, consider any reporting obligations. Uh, This may include notifications to insurers, notification to regulators, notifications to the market for publicly listed companies. For a publicly listed company, it may also be necessary to maintain a list list of insiders. So those would be individuals who are in possession of confidential price sensitive information. And that's necessary in order to control the disclosure of inside information and manage any regulatory liabilities around the use of that information. It's also important to consider media interest and prepare public template um, prepare public uh, template messages in order to respond to published articles and request for comment. Next, conduct an internal investigation uh, that will involve ascertaining what evidence exists, which is relevant to the matters under investigation, what evidence exists in relation to the liabilities that arise from this evidence, and any defenses that may be available. Finally, consider the merits and content of any proactive written representation to the investigators around the merits of the allegations under investigation. 
this may appear at first glance to be a very defensive action, but it is extremely effective in putting pressure onto the investigator to justify the continuation of the investigation and any decision to bring enforcement action at the conclusion of that investigation. Thank you, Chris. Um, So really just to conclude now, um, we can't hope to cover in the limited time we have all the possible permutations of what can happen during the exercise of a dorm raid, but we hope that we've given you enough information to enable you to think about how to prepare for it. Dawn raids are not an everyday occurrence, but when they happen, time moves very quickly, and having a plan in place and employees trained on what to do is going to put you in a position to manage the situation as best as is possible in the circumstances. Our Crisis Room app enables you to streamline the process and engage with experts rapidly. Uh, Chris and Gareth, do you have any final words on the subject? Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd just like to emphasise, um, as we mentioned briefly earlier, that searches. Um, or dorm raids represent only a small part of the armory of UK enforcement authorities. Most have the ability to issue notices requiring the production of documents and information at short notice, or to require individuals to attend interviews and answer questions on pain of criminal sanction. Although the use of these tactics may not create an immediate crisis situation that a dawn raid does, they may be used at the outset of an investigation, and those that receive such notices should carefully consider the content and should seek internal and external legal advice before any response is provided. However, many of the considerations we have discussed in terms of handling dorm raids, for example, identifying the need to preserve documents, ensuring that whoever receives the notice knows who to contact both internally and externally, whether or not to conduct your own internal investigations, are also useful when considering how to handle these less invasive but nevertheless concerning tactics. Chris? Yes, well, I'd just like to reiterate the point we made earlier that dawn raids are shocking and a company or individual who is the subject of that investigation can feel very vulnerable and powerless to respond. But in fact, by responding constructively and taking proactive action, you can put yourself in a position where you can very quickly start to take steps which put you on the front foot in a position to make robust representations, challenging the allegations and to influence the direction of the investigation. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. And if you have any questions from what you've heard, please do not hesitate to contact any one of us. Thank you.